Hello and welcome back to Pounding the Table. On this episode, we're going to take a look at the FOMC decision. Special Father's Day edition, so a little fun in the sun. We're going to touch on Dermatech, a stock we used to speak about. And then we're going to explore, is the market overheated? Tesla, Adobe, NVIDIA. And a special reminder that the markets are not going to be open on Monday as we celebrate Juneteenth. Another episode of Pounding the Table starts in 3, 2, 1. 1.7 percent here, a loss of 37 points or so. Apple shares are just getting hammered this morning. We're down by between three and four and a half percent, gentlemen. Across these markets, let's talk about the speed with which we are watching. We're down by four, five, red everywhere. Essentially, down by four, five, red everywhere. Essentially, down by six, down percent. Down percent. Has fallen about. Wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Sheep. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 79 of Pounding the Table. It is Father's Day weekend, so everyone spent time with their dads. So another good week. We got 2.5 up on the Dow, 3.1 on the NASDAQ, and about 2.72. At the time of this recording, it's about noon, Friday, June 16th. So if shit hits the fan or goes crazy, uh, that is a timestamp verbally here. So market headlines, Joey. We got the U.S. inflation came in at 4%. Estimates were about equal, 4.1. Previous month, of course, was 4.9. So what do you think about the Fed's decision here to skip in June here? So I think it was the right decision for them to skip um, just because, you know, we, we've seen all the right indicators kind of slowing down that, you know, inflation isn't as crazy as it was. It's still pretty bad out there. I mean, I just got back from the grocery store and it was like, six or seven bags pushing a hundred bucks. So, I mean, it's still pretty rough out there, but um, I do think, you know, skipping right now was the right move. However, with this skip came, you know, all this commentary where now, you know, a lot of these Fed heads are talking about, you know, two more hikes going forward. So yeah, they skipped now, but still leaving room for more hikes going forward. And now Jerome keeps saying over and over, like he basically doesn't see us cutting rates this year or next year. And, you know, it could be a few years away, which I think that that's not accurate. But, you know, how he, accurate has he been? I guess are they being when they say, hey, in the future, we may do X, Y, Z. Like, have they been honest in this case or are they typically just wait, changing on a dime here? Wait, man, when it comes to these guys, just how about someone uh, tweets at us? Let us know how many times they said that inflation was transitory. So, I mean, that's about as accurate as the Fed's going to be. Like, they they did not handle this well at all. So, why would they handle it well now? Despite the uh, teaser of some engineers driving the Cybertruck around California this past week, Elon said he's not going to produce the Cybertrucks in mass production until late 2024. Tesla's been on an absolute tear of late. And so, again, thank you. And Father's Day being very fitting for your help there on Tesla for my father's account here. But what do you think this means for Tesla going forward? I mean, I think it's smart that they're kind of pushing these off. So Tesla's still growing very quickly. And you think of like when big tech companies see their growth slowing, they'll try to make an acquisition or some new product launch to drive growth going forward. If he knows the Cybertruck, same with the Semi, that these are going to be these huge, you know, verticals of growth for him going forward. And yet all the existing product lines are growing so quickly. Why not keep that in your back pocket? So say, you know, growth's expected to slow next year. Hey, now we got the Cybertruck coming and they just start, you know, delivering on those. So 
I think it's smart rather than, you know, pulling forward all of that. And plus, you know, he's got to produce so many cars as it is. And it almost makes sense. Like, let's focus on one product line, get all those out there, get those orders filled, at least for the most part, and then start hitting these others. But yeah, I, I like it from a shareholder perspective because, yeah, you see the stocks had a great run this year and, you know, still down significantly from its all-time high. Granted, the, the valuation could have been out of hand at the time. But yeah. news flow. I mean, I say he, as in Elon Musk, is Tesla, which he is. But Tesla's had massive news flow with Ford and GM joining. Yeah, it, it's been a great year. And yeah, so they, you know, people are very bullish on the infrastructure now when you see Ford and GM coming out. Then now you have all these other small players, which we talked about last week, how these other players are going to have to follow suit. And, you know, either fall in line or start making deals with all these other automakers. So, you saw ChargePoint, EVgo, and I think some others come out and basically say that their charging ports were going to be basically outfitted to be able to charge Tesla. You know, the whatever the type of port that they're using, forget like the actual acronym is like NACS or something like that. Um, I mean, let me actually just use the right fact check on this show, Joe. Yeah, it is right. <laughs> Look at that, just top of the head. They would use the NACS connector options for its chargers, basically. So all of these other players kind of follow Tesla's lead. We'll talk more about Tesla here at the end because I want to touch on Tesla, NVIDIA, and Adobe who've been on crazy runs. So we'll save that here for later in the podcast. Other news, Arm, the chip designer, which is backed by SoftBank, they're in talks with Intel to anchor its upcoming IPO. So we talked about Kava as one of the more recent IPOs, which we're going to also discuss here later in depth what happened there. But Arm's another one you said is is coming up, hopefully, with another IPO. Is that one you're more interested in? Not necessarily. I mean, it is a great company, everything, but I'm kind of focused elsewhere right now. And with kind of what we saw with the Kava IPO, the Arm Holdings IPO, it could be, you know, it could get pretty wild there too. Of course, I'm going to be looking into it, but it's not one where like I'm shifting things around right now to free up some liquidity, basically to wait for it to come. Fair enough. Toyota unveiling a company strategy for EV plans through 2025, along with a new vehicle lineup. You made a comment, bow to Tesla. I'd like to know why. All these other automakers, they're just playing catch up. The market's going, it's going towards EVs or hybrids and everything. Tesla's the way to play this industry, the EV industry as a whole. So, I mean, it makes sense for all these other automakers to be launching products to compete with them, but they're really not even competing. So this does not make Toyota or Honda or any of these other automaker stocks in any way attractive to me. They're the only way I want to play the industry is through Tesla. Who's buying Toyota? Like who buys Toyota? Beats me. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. And I mean, I hear the argument even for GM quite a bit. Oh, it only trades at X times earnings and all this stuff. It's like some stocks are very cheap for a reason, but you know, buying it based on sole fact that it's super cheap doesn't always play out all that well in your favor. Yeah. You really need the growth on your side along with reasonable valuations. At the same point, like Tesla's valuation, now you could deem it to be somewhat unreasonable. And the only reason I was buying in the low hundreds and even like when your dad bought it, which I feel like it was 20 days ago before, you know, this last big leg up, you could justify in some ways like the valuation that it, that it got to based on, you know, forward earnings, future cash flow, everything. Now it's getting back to the point where 
And we said this last week, you know, I'd be hesitant to buy it at current levels, but I'm still not in a position to where I'm looking to trim it just yet. Now, if it gets like north of 300 or something like that, and, and we're pushing back towards like the trillion dollar market cap, then that could change. But as of now, that's kind of where my head's at. AMD, so Advanced Micro Devices, stated that Facebook or Meta will be ordering high volumes of the new central processor from the company as companies plan their AI strategies. So do you think AMD is kind of the forgotten child here? I mean, it's a great company. It's got a great product lineup. So like if you want to buy AMD, it's because you basically like what Lisa Sue and, and you know what they're doing with their products and, and their new launches. But if you want to buy them because they're the next NVIDIA, you're better off just buying NVIDIA because, you know, it, it's trying to find like the one that didn't participate as significantly isn't always, you know, a great strategy. Like there's a reason why NVIDIA ran so much is because that guidance that they gave shows that they're expecting to see some insane growth the rest of this year. Now, AMD, they could see you no know, very strong growth, but there is a very good reason why NVIDIA has performed the way it has. And if, if you want to see that, just go back and look at what they said in their most recent earnings release. Mm -hmm. Something to think about too is, is as there are a lot of layoffs and as some of these startups have no money and run out and they lose a lot of this talent, you see some of these bigger companies be able to pick up that top talent. Like someone that was a CEO or CTO at a smaller company, maybe an average engineer, you know, at one of these bigger companies. So do you see some of these winners that you're talking about, like the top companies? Do you think that being a factor here in the next couple of years that they're just going to be picking up a lot of top talent because they're the ones that can afford? I mean, you could say that in a lot of cases, but then you look at almost like the reverse with Meta, where, you know, they, their headcount expanded so fast that then they became all about the year of efficiency with just mass layoffs left and right. Now, granted, it, it probably wasn't their top talent they were letting go. It's probably like, you know, on the lower end. But in, in, in a lot of cases, you could say, yeah, the big companies were poaching the best engineers, but the best engineers aren't the ones that were being let go from a lot of these companies. So I mean, no dig at the people that were let go if you were. Uh, like they can almost use the performance of their stocks as a way to entice people to come there. Almost like, hey, look, the good times are rolling. You want to jump on board. Well, and also on the inverse, actually, I'm thinking about it is like a lot of top talent and start creating their own companies with two to three people, right? We're talking about that with some VCs, how valuable, like VCs are about to get so rich because they can invest in two to three person companies that can start. Yeah, I, I, I saw a headline on like Google Discover the other day that some like four week old AI startup in England raised like 110 million pounds, something insane. I'll have to pull the headline and show you, but yeah, it, it's back in that sort of craze where, you know, anybody developing anything within this space, just a general idea that they're able to raise a ton of money on it. Let's keep running through these. Space, ticker symbol SPCE. Haven't heard that for quite some time, but that is Virgin Galactic. Holding steady after rocketing 40%, unintended. After hours, trading on announcing return to commercial space flight. You touching space yet, or is it one of those that genomics? I feel like it's in the same bucket like 10 years out. If you hold it, maybe you'll hit that rocket ship. I don't Man, know. That, Since, that company's just been a serial disappointment. It seems like every time they're planning to do something, something goes wrong and it just doesn't pan out. If anything, I'll wait for SpaceX to come public. Space is exciting, right? But like, if you actually look at the fundamentals behind the business, even if they're charging $200,000 per ticket, like Virgin Galactic, Virgin Orbit, I'm pretty sure they're completely gone now. I think they went belly up. Yeah, and their ticker's out for Pew, trading at three cents, so that didn't go well. Momentous, same situation, Astra, same situation where those 
have just been, you know, down 95% plus since their SPAC murders. Um, I think the only one that's somewhat doing well, everything, everything that I keep seeing is from Rocket Lab. So like, that's an interesting one in the space space that I would actually consider. And I know I, I kind of ragged on it uh, like two episodes ago, maybe last episode where I was like, you know, if you're looking to deploy capital, you know, would you want to risk it on something like a Rocket Lab or go with something easier like a PayPal um, where you could justify evaluation? Now, Rocket Lab is one of those where it's very interesting, strong growth. You can almost see they're they're like the number two to SpaceX when it comes to it. But again, I'm not looking to invest in the number two with anything uh, or just because SpaceX isn't public, I'll settle with investing in something else. I'd rather just, you know, look at my existing holdings, a company I'm excited about and add to that. We should do a return of the SPACs episode though and just like look to see if there's any single SPAC. That was good. I was just looking at AST Space Mobile. That was another one that like, all of these, just looking back in hindsight, doing a postmortem on them. Yeah, just, there's, a, I mean, there's a handful of stacks that have been very good. Like MP Materials is one that always comes to mind. Okay. Uh, up like 100% from their SPAC merger. But the problem is, yeah, there's probably not a ton of SPACs that are doing fantastic. Is like the average SPAC is probably down 80 plus percent just because so many have just gone down 95, 99%. I do think there will be a time when there's a return of the SPAC. Right? Yeah, I, I think we said this from day one, where there's like going to be one or two that break through. A lot of them got hit with the SPAC mantra and are down because of that and haven't really been able to return. But I feel a few of these show a couple, you know, year on year growth and it's starting to accelerate. There's going to be a handful that, that do break through. So we'll do Could it. Be. The problem is like any of these... SPAC mergers, people now just have like that SPAC stench attached to it and immediately yeah. write it off. So that's the problem. I think maybe people just need time, you know, time to heal and then they'll be willing to accept it again. I just want to hear a return of the Mac. All right. C3AI up 4% along with some of the other AI and chip stocks as artificial intelligence is again the focus. We talked about this, like a lot of people are just putting AI now into their earnings report if they have nothing there. And I saw a funny meme they were talking about with Dan Schulman, like, just say the word AI, please. So C3 AI is up 4%. I mean, so this is where I've said before where I want nothing to do with it, but there are some very smart people that I know that have liked this for a long time. So I'm just kind of caught in the middle where I don't want to badmouth it, but I don't want to say, oh, it's fantastic. I'm just kind of like indifferent and almost like, hey, you know, they could be legit. They could not. I would much rather invest elsewhere when it comes to AI. So like I'm looking at something like, you know, Adobe or Meta or any of these other players where it's it's like legitimate that I know have great businesses outside of the AI offerings that AI is just going to almost enhance all of their offerings. I had zero idea that they're up 302% year to date. That'll do. That'll do. 11.07 on January 3rd. Now it's 44.61. So uh, that'll do. Uh, DMTK. This was one that came up because I thought I had skin cancer on my nose. Thankfully, I do not. But you were saying if I did... Or if I didn't want to go to the doctor, DMTK. I know Jonah yeah. Lupton was talking about this one a lot too. Yeah. So this, I mean, a lot of people and, you know, a lot of different stock picking companies started talking about this one. And yeah, it ran from, I want to say like 10 to north of 60. It might even got like to the seventies and eighties. I mean, it was 
It was pretty great. 79, it looks like it topped out at. Yeah, so seriously, if if you're not familiar with this one, Durham Tech, what they did was, it's kind of like exact sciences. Exact sciences made the cola guard thing where instead of going to get a colonoscopy, you basically poop in this, you put this thing on your toilet and you poop and it catches it. You scrape a sample, you mail it in, and then using that sample, they tell you, you know, if you have colon cancer or not. So Durham Tech wanted to make almost like a dermatology appointment that easy because I don't know if anybody's yeah, I mean, if you ever go to make an appointment with a dermatologist, it's always, you know, weeks out that you're going to get your appointment. So like in your situation where you think you could have skin cancer on your nose, like that's a stressful wait. And with DermTech, what they're doing is it almost looks like those tiny round band-aids that you could get. And what you do is you put it on any mole or area of skin that you find to be questionable that could be cancer. And you almost like rub it for a little bit. It, it catches some skin cells from it. You take it off, put it on this little uh, sample card. And I think you do it a couple different times, but then you take those samples, you mail it in, and then they scrape those cells and basically tell you, hey, this is like zero risk of being cancerous or hey, you need to go see your dermatologist. We think, you know, this could be bad. So like when you think of something that's cool that you can get an answer fast to know if you should be worrying or go somewhere, you know, it's a really cool product. However, you know, the, the financials just have not, been able to keep up with where the company was. And that's why you've seen it go from 79, like you said, to two. Now it's got a market cap of like 85 million. So even talking about it on the show isn't ideal. All right. Right now you have to either find a specialist or you have to do a teleconsult. So the teleconsult obviously would be faster than, than trying to book an appointment in person, but still they have to send it. Now, if they had this at like CVS, I don't know why this would need a prescription necessarily. They put those COVID tests in the stores pretty quick when we kind of know that those in the That's end. That's what I'm saying. Like, what's the, the downside here? So maybe there is like massive upside if they are able to do that. I feel um, like Americans in general, we should be more in control of our own healthcare, make our own decisions because I feel like me with Google has been more accurate than my doctors over my 33 years. Yeah. And I don't want to discredit doctors, but I, I, I do agree. There's been many times where I'm like telling them the symptoms and they're just like looking it up on Google themselves. And I'm like, wait a second, you're on the same Yahoo message boards that I am. <laughs> Basically like clicking some boxes. Oh, do you have this? Okay. Click this. And it's like, doc, you're really just waiting for it to spit out an answer for you. Like I could do this. They're like, all right, get out the message boards. Let's recap Kava's IPO. I know we were discussing that. So shit the bed. You predicted that it was trading like a tech stock and it's not. So dive into so, this because that one, you know. All right. So you can't, you can't really say that it, it's been a bad performer. So here's the thing. So yeah, the, the initial range, they ended up upping it. They priced the IPO at 22. It opens north of 40. So you're already. That's what I'm saying for retail investors. Yeah, so for anybody that bought at the open is like, yeah, it's, it's been pretty rough now. Cause looking at the stock right now, if it opened north of 40, it's sitting at 37, it's down 14% as of this recording. You know, it hasn't been a great day two of trading, but that's, that's, you know, very common with, with IPOs. Now, my issue is it was very richly valued, even at where they priced the IPO and. For it to have been doubled, you're talking like, you know, the price of sales multiple was through the roof. And I remember even tweeting, like, is anybody doing the math on this right now? Like, 
it's a restaurant stock. This is not, you know, Snowflake with some crazy, awesome cloud business model software company with high margins. Like this is a restaurant. What is going on here? And uh, so this definitely needs to come back to earth. I, I was telling you before, like I would watch it closely, but I wasn't interested. I am very not interested at this point. Like, I want nothing to do with it. It became sub 20 again, like where the original range was. Then I could justify, you know, it's a restaurant company with a long runway, but I feel like so much growth is priced in at this point. And even like store openings, everything, like you look at the, the value per store now, like it's just insane. Sorry. But so here's the good thing about this. So it shows that the IPO market could be back. Like, granted, this is just one case. So you can't really say it's back. But like, it showed the pent up demand on the IPO front. And you see kind of like, you know, the, the S&P 500 closed in a bull market. Everybody seems to be optimistic. There's still a lot of cash on the sidelines and like money market accounts that I'm waiting for people to almost like FOMO and start bringing into the market. But in almost... It's like another just like twinkle in the eye of the market showing like, oh, wow, this could be, you know, the actual start of a new bull market and not just a really big head fake. Let's get into earnings from last week. It touched on Adobe quite a bit, up 8% on the week, 45% on the last month. Lennar up 5% on the week. People are still buying homes. Oracle is up 10% on the week. So we touched on all these last week. You you were pretty positive on all three of these. Yeah, I mean, Oracle reported a great quarter on Monday. They showed 18% growth in revenue, 50 billion in four year 23. So I mean, like this is a really big company. It's still growing in the high teens. It's got a lot of positive trends on its side, especially when it comes to like artificial intelligence and everything. They're trying to be like the cloud player for artificial intelligence uh, companies. So you know, it's just right place, right time and a very inexpensive valuation. So that's that's what I was looking at with that is it's, you know, reasonable valuation, still growing very fast and right place, right time. Lenar, I was interested just because, you know, the home space has been under pressure because, you know, no one wants to give up their sub 3% mortgages, but they're still under supply of housing. So it's this weird middle ground. And sure enough, it shows that there's still very strong demand for what they're doing and that companies kind of chugging along. And lastly, Adobe, you know, beat and raise type quarter shows that, you know, their AI products are just kind of like dominating within the design space and they continue to launch new products within there. So, you know, that is just a very good company that I think got so undervalued because of like the Figma deal and everything else that, you know, it was, it was almost forgotten. And now it's just burst out of the scene and, you know, it's like a top five AI type play that people are treating it as such. So the market's been, you know, quietly hot. Everyone's saying the economy is so bad. We always say the, the markets are obviously not the economy, but it feels a bit like everyone's getting a little excited again on Twitter. I told you I'm waking up, you know, checking in at 930 and for a while there I was not, right? And so... People are back. These stocks have been running quite a bit. I said 45% in the last month for Adobe, NVIDIA up 48% this past month. Tesla was up 139, I think, percent. So do you think it's time for a little cool off or do you think these companies are going to start to run through the summer? I feel like it's been too much too fast, but I'm not opposed to it because, you know, like I'm always fully invested. Wherever the market goes, pretty much I'm going. 
because I've kind of learned over the years that trying to time the market is just not my thing. So I, I just kind of go with the flow. And if I've got some capital to deploy, I'll do it slowly. But yeah, it, it feels overheated. But then it's kind of like, okay, well, the market bottomed out ahead of the worst of times. So it's like, okay, you could say it's almost like a forecasting or forward-looking type market. Now, the problem is with the Fed basically saying that they want two more hikes that I started thinking of, okay, if they do that, could there be a risk of more bank failures? And at two rate hikes, how many of these higher risk regional banks will fall? What kind of systemic issues will there be as a result of that? Like, there's so many factors that come into play that kind of get me worried. But so this is where I was telling you, if I'm going to deploy, I'm just going to find some like undervalued company, but that is still growing very strong. That's just forgotten or left for dead for some reason that I don't agree with. So I, it's not like I want to try to bottom pick some other names, but I want to find something that's still growing relatively quick that might have some sort of headwind that, that pushed it lower but that the market's just forgotten and I'm waiting for them to realize, much like an Adobe, I'm waiting for the market to realize like, oh, wow, this is very inexpensive. Maybe this needs to be bought. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I don't want to chase the high flyers. I want to look for the companies that have been left behind that I think could play catch up going forward. And at the same time, if we do see some sort of correction in the market, that these names are so inexpensive as it is, that the downside is... The downside risk is less than that of the overall market, if that makes sense. Yeah, let's do that next week. We should discuss like PayPal. There's a few others that we were looking at that have just been beaten down that are still really good companies. PayPal is really interesting for me because Apple Pay has been just, you know, the horror for them constantly just over their shoulder. We got next week earnings, nothing major here. Tuesday, we got FedEx. Thursday, Accenture. On Friday, we got CarMax. FedEx, probably the, the biggest one we're looking at here. Definitely. I mean, FedEx is always like a good gauge for the overall economy, not even the overall, like the worldwide economy. They always give very strong, you know, views on what's going on around the world. So very interested to see what they say. Um, and it, it always catches a lot of headlines when it comes to CNBC. So yeah, I'll definitely be watching FedEx. The other one, you, said, you had mentioned CarMax, but the other one that I'd be looking at is Darden Restaurants is on Thursday. They're a good glimpse into like the American consumer. I mean, they're Olive Garden, Seasons 52, Capital Grill. So you can almost see like they've got the very high end fine dining and then like almost like the middle class type dining. So they're a very good gauge for consumer spending and, and where that's going. So, you know, more people are eating out then they're more bullish on the overall economy. If less people are eating out, eating at home, then it shows they're, they're pinching pennies to prepare for something. So that's one that it's kind of like an underrated gauge of the consumer that I like to watch. People might be loading up on those unlimited breadsticks and salad. Do they still do that? I, I think they did away with that. My friend Jason, oh. I used to always do that. The uh, unlimited salad and breadsticks, we would go there and just sit for hours at a time, just destroying that. And yeah, we'd always feel like we was unbelievable. But I don't think they ever really lose at Olive Garden. All right, Joey, that about wraps it up for this week. I know it's Father's Day. You are a father. So what are you doing for Father's Day? I was actually just getting texts before this from my wife, basically saying, what do I want and what do I want to do? So it doesn't seem like there's any plans for me. Well, what do you want? Just in case your wife doesn't get it, maybe one of the listeners will say. So here's the problem. Anything I ever really want or need, if that thought pops in my head, I order it. Because I'm at a point in my life, like if I want or need something, I'm just going to get it because 
why wait? Like, why have some empty part of your life that you, you <laughs> like, it's just not something I want to do. So that's why I'm very difficult to get a gift for because if I want something, I get it. And with Amazon and a distribution facility very close by, I probably have it within three hours. If not, <laughs> you know, I'll find a way to get it very quick. But yeah, I mean, I think our plan right now is uh, here in Northern Virginia, we've got a lot of great parks. The weather is going to be somewhat nice in like the mid 80s. So we're talking, hey, let's go for a really good hike, pack some food. There's some playgrounds there too. So very you know, more about like Father's Day is about the kids. I'm just along for the ride and I'm good with that. I love it. Well, that's what it's about. Heads up to all of our listeners. So we have some advertisers we're going to work with as, as sponsors coming up. But as the audience of Pounding the Table, we love to give back. So if any of you guys are small business owners, want to launching a product or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you guys as listeners. So connect with us. Shoot us an email at hosts with an S. So H-O-S-T-S at poundingthetablepodcast.com or shoot us a DM on Twitter, Pounding the Table. Enjoy your Father's Day weekend and we'll be That's back next move. week for another edition big of Pounding That's the a big This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. Stock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in Brickle with the tribe. Shawty sliding, she want sushi, she want eel sauce with the rice. I just peel off.